If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Last week, we were in, Dave and I, uh, Pastor Dave and I were in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And the reason why we are kind of hovering over this book is because King Solomon, who is King David's son, uh, was really good at applying these if-only moments that we kind of wrestle through here today in our generation uh, he was really good at wrestling through some of these same questions of if only, some of the pursuits that he engaged in. So that's where we've been over the last several weeks. If you're just joining us for the first time this morning, uh, we've been in this series titled If Only, and really kind of diving into what happens to a lot of us when we lose our bearings. When we lose our bearings with what it means to be truly fulfilled, truly satisfied, truly content, it even truly aligned with the heart of Jesus and his plan for our lives. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we gave the analogy of a shape puzzle and what it looks like uh, when a child tries to put the wrong shape into the wrong hole. And they try and they try, they're trying to figure it out and they're getting frustrated, but eventually they figure out if they have the wrong piece trying to go into the wrong hole, they figure that out and they say, oh, this one doesn't fit here because it's the wrong shape. So obviously it goes somewhere else. You can't force it if it's not the right one. And we've kind of been discovering some of those things in this series as well, haven't we? All of us, every single one of us, were created and designed by God with a shape in our hearts, a shape in our souls that can only be filled by God with his right shape. And that's the spiritual shape of a cross. We try to squeeze and force relationships into the cross shape, but that doesn't fit. We learned about that in week one. Uh, we try to force our possessions, which was week two, into that cross shape, but that doesn't seem to fit either. No matter what we do to try and fill that void, that space that's only meant to be filled by Jesus Christ, we will always walk away feeling empty and dissatisfied and discontent and unfulfilled and without purpose. So today I wanna to look at another shape, quote unquote, that we often try and fill that void with. If only my life would be filled with pleasure. If only my life would be filled with pleasure. Maybe pleasure, maybe the shape of pleasure will fit in that cross shape hole in my soul. Have you ever opened up a Christmas present that on the outside looked really, really amazing, but then you tear into it only to find disappointment? All right, it had beautiful wrapping, a big, beautiful bow, it had a really cool looking name tag, but then you rip it open, socks. Now, as a 52-year-old man, I love socks because my kids and my dogs, they take off with all my socks. So if I get socks now, I'm like really excited about that. But sometimes our reaction looks a little like this. Check out this video. What you, what you, Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. Oh, okay. and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want 
onion. Did you smell your onion? Yeah. Here, smell it. Oh, I smelled it. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. Why is it like, why is it like that? I appreciate You should appreciate it. I heard getting as a present, but I didn't know it would be like that. <laughs> Excitement on the outside, disappointment on the inside. Well, this summer, I picked what I thought was gonna be the perfect watermelon. All right, I'm at Walmart, and I'm looking at it, and I knocked on it, it sounded good. I looked at the webbing. My daughter, Ella, taught me how to distinguish between a male and a female, and she said, the females are the best ones, Daddy. And so I think, okay, I've got the perfect watermelon. So I take it home, we cut it open, disgusting. I mean, it was like white on the inside. I'm like, okay, it's supposed to be a juicy red, but it was a disgusting watermelon. Now, from the outside, it looked great, felt great, gave all the outward indications. But the inside, we do that with people too, don't we? We do that with things, we do that with pleasure. On the outside, things look great, but then on the inside, disappointment. And that happens a lot in life. We go from the highs of expectation to the lows of reality. And in some ways, these experiences are pictures of our pursuit of pleasure. We went to take hold of something that we thought would be so good, and then it fades away. It falls apart. We come up empty once again. Well, here's the big idea for this weekend. The only real pleasure that lasts is the pleasure we discover in our relationship with God. The only real pleasure that lasts is the pleasure we discover in our relationship with God. All other pleasure is temporary and eventually either fades away or falls apart. And that's what King Solomon is telling us here in Ecclesiastes, that he himself tried to take hold of all sorts of different kinds of pleasures in his life. And when he finally got them, when he finally attained them, when he finally grabbed hold of these pleasures, they fell apart. We start in verse one and two of Ecclesiastes two. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? And then he goes on the journal about his quest to find fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose. Skip down to verse 10. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And then he goes on to create this whole list of things that he had done to, uh, to try and find pleasure. He, he tried to find pleasure in his accomplishments. He built houses, 
He planted vineyards. He made gardens and parks and planted trees of all, all kinds of fruit trees in them. And then he even created reservoirs to come and water all of these trees. Yet none of these accomplishments brought him pleasure that lasted. It was only temporary. He wanted more. He tried to find pleasure in his possessions. He owned herds and, 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 and flocks and he ordered silver and gold and all kinds of treasure, but none of those things brought him pleasure either that lasted. It just slipped through his fingers like chasing the wind. It didn't last. He even tried alcohol and sex and music and the arts and none of those lasted. It was all temporary. He craved more and more. And at the end of experimenting with all these pursuits to seek pleasure, it's almost as if King Solomon sat back and just like let out a, ah, all of this is like chasing the wind. Nothing is satisfying me. Nothing is fulfilling me. Nothing is bringing me joy that's lasting. I'm still feeling empty. And let me say this. The pursuit of pleasure outside of God doesn't bring you happiness. It brings you addiction. Because you keep chasing and chasing and chasing those things that may perhaps bring you pleasure in the moment, may perhaps bring you pleasure for a short season, but eventually will leave you feeling empty. And then you need it again and again and again, and then you're pursuing it alone. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be online shopping. It's one-nighters with strangers or the unquenchable urge to constantly be on social media and to keep up and to compare or it's viewing pornography. And before you know it, your pursuit of pleasure has turned into addiction. The journal of, of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes is not just some musings of a guy who's bored. He actually has a purpose in telling us about his pursuit and his failure to satisfy, to bring purpose, to bring contentment. And Solomon's desire is actually that we, right now, would find fulfillment in life and wholeness because he wanted it so badly for himself. And then he became sort of the prototype to kind of wade through all of this and find out what's true and, and not true so that you and I could live in wisdom and life as well. So if you're taking notes this weekend, write this down for number one. God designed me to experience pleasure. If you're new with us, the note-taking sheet's on the back of your program. God designed me to experience pleasure. The first, let's, let's just get this out of the way, okay? There's nothing wrong with pleasure, nothing. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he prepared a very special place for them to live, the Garden of Eden. Do you know what the, the word Eden means? Eden in Hebrew means pleasure. It was heaven on earth, literally called the garden of pleasure. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created a place for them to exist and to flourish in pleasure. Psalm 36, King David wrote this, God, your love is so precious, you protect people in the shadow of your wings. They eat the rich food in your house and you let them drink from your river of pleasure. God loves you so much that he wants to satisfy you. And he wants you to drink from his river of pleasure. So there's nothing wrong with experiencing pleasure in our lives. Look what King David also wrote in chapter 16. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. 
So yes, God wants to give us pleasure, but did you catch that there's something attached to that? He wants to give us pleasure, but it it comes with walking in his way, finding his purpose, his life, his joy in his presence, not manufacturing our own pleasure. You think, well, Jeremy, what exactly is pleasure? Well, if you look up the word pleasure, there's a few words that describe it. Satisfaction, enjoyment, delight, happiness, joy, contentment. You think, wait a minute, aren't those some of the things that we've been talking about over the last several weeks? Yes. Isn't that the cry of our heart and the longing of our soul? We, we want something more and deeper and worthwhile, but too often we end up holding that rotten watermelon <laughs> or the thing that leaves us disappointed. One author wrote this, the loneliest moment in life, listen to this, the loneliest moment in life is just when you have experienced that which you thought would deliver the ultimate and it has let you down. One of God's objectives when he saved you was to give you true pleasure, true enjoyment, true satisfaction, true contentment in this world. So where does it start? Well, first, we have to get the order right. It starts with understanding that it doesn't begin with our pleasure. It begins in the right place with God, that we were created for his pleasure. So write this down for number two. I was created for God's pleasure. I was created for God's pleasure. Listen to this, Revelation chapter four. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist for your pleasure. You created everything in the world, Heavenly Father, and you created them for your pleasure. I want you to circle or underline that word, that that phrase, for your pleasure. The Bible says that you were created for God's enjoyment. God made you to enjoy you. God planned you for his purpose. And the only reason you're alive is because God wanted you alive. And he gets enjoyment being in relationship with you. When you were born, when you came out of your mother's womb, God was there smiling and joyful because he wanted you made. God smiled at your birth because he created you to enjoy you. He made you and created you for his purpose. So you and I were created to be loved by God. And there's a reciprocal part in this as well. God wants you to love him back. He wants you to experience the joy and pleasure of knowing him. And he wants you to bring enjoyment to him. One day, Jesus was walking down the street, and the guy, guy came up to him and said, hey, Lord, what's the most important commandment in the scriptures? And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to tell you this, but you have to remember, if you don't get anything else in all of the scriptures that you read, I want you to read and understand and know and let this dig down into your soul. And he begins to quote this, Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God says, if you don't get anything else, here's what you're supposed to do in life. You're supposed to learn to love me because I made you to love you, which brings me pleasure. And I know you. And I want to fulfill your pleasure to know and love me back. Now we actually have a word for this. It's called worship. Worship is knowing and loving God back. 
We worship in our obedience. We worship when we surrender ourselves to God. We worship in our submission. We worship when we serve on volunteer teams around in the community. Anything that we're doing as, a, as an act of service, we are worshiping. We worship in our giving and our singing and our praising. Whatever we do to honor God, we bring him pleasure. And he fulfills us and brings us satisfaction and pleasure when we do it. So how is this played out in my life? What do I do? Well, the Apostle Paul actually gives us a map, kind of a roadmap of how we get there and engage with this in our life. So write this down for number three. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will rejoice in the Lord always. Do you know what the key is for pleasure and happiness? Do you know what the secret is for joy and contentment? Because Paul discovered it. Paul knew what the secret was to be content in everything that he did. He wrote this in Philippians chapter four, verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. You say, okay, so where's the secret in this? All right, I still need that secret, Jeremy. Where, Paul, what did you learn? How, how do I know fulfillment and contentment in true life? Well, he actually gave us the secret several verses back in the same chapter. So let's go backwards to verse four. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. You think, wait, that's it? That's the secret? Because it can't possibly be that simple, can it? And do you notice that Paul repeats himself here? He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Why is Paul repeating himself? Well, for the same reason that parents repeat themselves to their kids. <laughs> uh, if you're a parent, you know, or if you grew up with a parent, then you know. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. It's always a thousand. It's actually not a thousand. I've actually never gave the same commandment to my kid a thousand times. I actually said to my, uh, to my dad one time when I was growing up, if I've told you once, boy, I said, oh, uh, you really think you've said that a thousand times, dad? Teenagers, I don't recommend that. It didn't fare well for me and it may not fare well for you. But why do parents repeat themselves? It could be a number of reasons. Sometimes our kids, they're not paying attention. They have very short attention spans, as we know. Or sometimes our kids think, ah, what my parents are saying is really not that important. But the reason why we repeat ourselves is because it is important. And that's, what, that's why Paul repeats himself here in Philippians 4. What he's saying just seems too easy, it seems too simple. You can't possibly gain fulfillment and pleasure just by rejoicing, can you? Well, I personally believe that you can. I've seen it played out in my own life. I've experienced it in my own life. Just a couple of months ago, man, I'm telling you, I woke up, I woke up and I was in a mood. Anybody ever done that? Oh, four people? <laughs> yeah. The rest of you just wake up, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> I'm in a great mood today. No, where's all my real Christians at? How many of you have ever woken up in a mood? Yeah, yeah. I woke up in a mood, man. I don't know why, I was super irritable. I was short fused, kind of low key anxiety. And I just remember thinking to myself, nope, I am not starting my day this way. You see, it starts with your attitude. 
to say, I'm not doing this today. So I put on some worship music, just kind of soaked in the shower just for a few minutes and listened to some worship music. And I began to cite the Lord's, to recite the Lord's prayer. And when I did it, I did kind of the New Living Translation and kind of interjected a couple of other verses on the inside of that. And since then, I've done that every day. I do it this way. I say, my Father who lives in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth and in me as it is in heaven. Provide for me today all my daily needs and forgive me of my sin as I forgive those who sin against me. Help me to stay away from temptation today, Lord, and deliver me from the evil one, my adversary, the devil who wants to kill, steal, and destroy my life and the plan that you have for me. Because you have come to give me life in its fullest and in abundance. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And as I began to do that, I began to feel that anxiety begin to just kind of to leave my body, that, that, that irritability that I woke up began to, to leave my body. So yes, I believe that rejoicing and praising Jesus works. And because it seems so, empty, so, 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 so easy, so simple, a lot of us overlook it. Unfulfilled people are unhappy because they're never satisfied with what they have. They could have the whole world at their fingertips, every pleasure, just like Solomon, and they still wouldn't be content. And that's because they never learned to rejoice in what they have. When we look at scripture, rejoicing is not so much an emotion as it is a conscious decision in our attitude to be satisfied and blessed with God and his provision. We struggle because we're not used to being thankful for what we have. Why be thankful for our hands or being able to see or being able to walk or talk or sing or dance? I mean, we've always been able to do those things, right? Some people cannot. It's too easy to focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. And that's part of the reason Solomon was so frustrated by the fact that he did have accomplishments, he did have possessions, he did have his entertainment. He has all of those things. In fact, those things in his position, someone of his position and power and wealth, those things are pretty easy to get. All of the things that we think give us pleasure. But the emptiness comes when we seek the pleasure rather than the one who provides the pleasure. That's the one thing King Solomon wants us to see that is missing in our lives. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? To be full of joy, to rejoice. But to rejoice in what? Well, the real question is to rejoice in who? Rejoice in the Lord. He is the focus. You see, in all of his discussion, about seeking pleasure, King Solomon hadn't mentioned God once, not one time. And I believe he did that on purpose because at the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says this, chapter 12, verse 13, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. Don't forget the big idea for this weekend. The only real pleasure that lasts is the pleasure we discover in our relationship with God. Solomon says, the final conclusion, 
The reason everything else seems so empty and so worthless and so boring in life is because you haven't included God in the picture. You pursued all of these things, but you didn't include God, so you're left feeling empty. If God isn't at the center of your joy, your life is gonna be empty. If God isn't at the center of your joy and your pleasure, then what you're experiencing now in this moment or now in this season will only be temporary, I promise you. It will expire, and then you're left feeling empty looking for the next pleasurable high. That's why it's so important to seek God, to seek your pleasure in Him. The Jewish encyclopedia says that there's no other language that has as many words for joy and rejoicing as the Hebrew language. In fact, if you go to the Old Testament, there are 27 different words used for some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. That's how important it is. Listen, God created us to engage in joyous celebration, to thank him as the supreme joy of our life. Let me read this passage one more time, Psalm 16. This is King David talking to the Lord. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So I'm gonna close with three challenges that I want you to leave with today. First of all, I just want you to remember the fill-ins for this weekend, that God designed you to experience pleasure, that he created you for his pleasure and never forget to rejoice in the Lord always because you have so much to be thankful for. Living in America, we have so much to be thankful for. Instead of seeking and pursuing the things that bring you pleasure, seek and pursue the one who provides the pleasure. So here are some things that you can do this week to kind of change your mindset. Number one, surround yourself with worship. Whether it's with music, whether it's taking a walk in nature, listening to scripture, I actually listen to scripture more more now than I actually read it because I have such a huge imagination when the author's reading uh, scripture to me, when he's reading the Bible to me, I actually immerse myself sort of in the story and it means so much more to me. So you can listen, you think, I don't have time to read. When you're in your car, put a put to you version app on and just listen to scripture. Find other ways to worship by serving and giving, praying. Number two, so first, surround yourself with worship. Number two, create a thank God list. Say, these are the things I'm thankful for. When you begin to write that out, it is humbling all that God has blessed you with. God, I thank you for my spouse, or I thank you for my kids. I thank you for our health. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my home, my vehicles, my faith community, my church, the food in my stomach, the gas in my car. When you begin to write all those things down, God has actually blessed you with a lot of things. Number three, choose joy daily. Remember, it's a mindset, it's an attitude. Choose joy daily, not to just seek a daily high, but to really go to Jesus to find fulfillment and life and joy. Joy is a choice. So this week, begin to choose to walk in joy and walk in the pleasures of God. So three things, surround yourself with worship, create a thank God list, and choose joy on a daily basis.
Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for finding pleasure in us. We are your creation. We humble ourselves this morning at your feet. We humble ourselves in your presence. And Father, we pray that you will find joy in our worship to you, whether it's with singing, with praising, with serving, with just keeping you first in our lives, Lord, because when you are not in the center of our lives, Lord, the pleasures that we seek can lead to addiction. And so, Father, we keep you at the center of our focus. Lord, we find pleasure in you. We pray that you'll find pleasure in us. Lord, as we go our separate ways today, Lord, we pray, God, that you'll just keep us safe, watch over us, protect us, Lord Jesus. Help us this morning to leave with these challenges that we will pursue you in worship, that we will create a thank you list to kind of keep our perspective focused on what you have blessed us with, Lord, and we will also choose joy daily. That we will wake up, even if we wake up, Lord, in a mood, Lord, you will begin to change our focus and our perspective to choose joy for that day, Lord, because it will set the tempo for the rest of the day as we engage with your people, Lord, that we can be some, some sort of example, Lord, of hope and peace and joy in someone else's life. Thank you for what you've done to us and in us and through us this morning. We pray, God, that as we engage with others, Lord, we can love like you love us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you.